0: Welcome to the Sellernomics Podcast, where we share valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Today's episode is brought to you by Gatita, the global leader in FBA auditing and reimbursements. Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at gatita.com slash sellernomics. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Stanley and Lisa Kinski.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Selleronomics. My name is Lisa Kinsky. I'm joined by my co-host Rob Stanley and we have a good dear friend of the show on with us today, Christina Martins with Shack, and we are going to be talking about the challenges and opportunities for international Amazon fulfillment. So let's welcome her on. Christina, how are you?
2: Hi, guys. I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Doing good. good. Doing good. It's it's so good to see you. So good to connect with you again. I'm very excited to talk about this topic, especially with me coming from my background in supply chain, which is how we met, of course. Exactly. Um, but let's let's go ahead and just jump straight into it. So global expansion has been such a big topic of discussion. I think we had four speakers talk about it at the recent Scale for e event that we hosted. So naturally, there's going to be some challenges with that international fulfillment. So what do you think are the biggest challenges that Amazon sellers specifically are facing with international fulfillment?
2: Um, I think the biggest key challenge is facing new legal regulations. So, for example, the EU has a whole other set of legal regulations than the US, for example, when it comes to product type, uh, tax regulations, import customs. And I've seen, I've been one year with Paxcheck now, I've heard and seen a lot of stories where this went completely wrong with people just trying to import stuff uh in the EU without their certification that they need and then they have a whole container sitting here in Hamburg in the Haber uh harbor and uh it cannot move because they cannot sell it so I think this is the single biggest key challenge in the beginning um the second one is which fulfillment type do you choose also depends on your product so do you go for fba do you go for fbm furniture clients usually go for fbm Um, if you have a really straightforward product that anyone needs um, you could also go with fba if it's um, fulfilling all of the requirements that amazon imposes Um, but you should be really careful in choosing what you go for because otherwise your costs can skyrocket yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so it sounded like what you were just saying is people are basically ordering it, trying to get it in and haven't done the prep work ahead of time to really do, to have it ready so it could get into the European area for selling on Amazon. Um, so just kind of moving a little bit past that, let's say they did finally get it in there and they start to sell. Uh, what kind of uh, challenges do they face uh, with like returns and uh, exchanges and things like that? What have you seen?
2: Um, I think one thing that sellers should be aware of or they should be careful when deciding which fulfillment provider, for example, to work with is that um, they have one clear address for handling returns. Ideally, it's the same warehouse that also takes care of your shipments, so you can basically have someone refurbish your products, put them back in stock so they're ready to sell right away. If you have two different addresses, one for your returns and one for your shipments, um, it's just causing delays getting the stock that has been uh, refurbished back into your stock.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just just a quick follow up on that. Have you found that it's cost effective, or does it depend on the product for them to refurbish and and put it back in the stock? Or again, is it kind of product specific?
2: Yeah, I think it mainly um, is dependent on your product price. So we have a client who sells um, baby wear, so. Uh, I don't know how to say it in English, where you put your baby, you put it in front, you put your baby in there. Oh, Strollers that go for like 500, 600 euros. So there's really worthwhile to have a warehouse who says, okay, we will refurbish that, um, make it clean again, put it back in stock. If it's just like a really low cost product, like under $10, it may be more efficient for you to just dispose of it. Yeah, gotcha. that makes sense. It also depends uh, completely on what your warehouse can do. So, for example, if you're only doing fashion and more like high fashion, where it would hurt your business to just throw away t shirts and dresses that have makeup smeared all over it because your customers tried it on and they didn't really treat it well, um, then it may make sense to go to a warehouse that is actually specialized in fashion because they will have like huge, huge washing streets and ironing stations. Um, to make it look pretty, again, if you go for the standard normal warehouse, I would say, then usually they have very limited options on refurbishing your products. Gotcha.
1: And and where does technology and automation play a role in fulfillment, either on, on the front end or on the return side?
2: Um, I think it plays one of the biggest roles because it gives you, especially when you're in another country, um, peace of mind and the ability to manage your stock levels efficiently um, if you don't really have access to any kind of software um, you cannot really check your stock levels you cannot see which orders are going out so where I see the trends and what we and also our competitors are using um, is software that gives the customer a very clear dashboard and very clear um, reports how much product they have in stock, which channels they'll, they they sell best on, what the order numbers are, what the um, return numbers are. So it basically is data-driven. 2023 is data-driven, including fulfillment.
1: Yeah, and and that can help them even like monitor too with the returns data to help exactly. optimize their business and improve their product, right? So if you have a particular widget or a... Clothing material, clothing item where, you know, the left sleeve, everybody complains that it ripped. It's like, well, that needs exactly. to be reinforced. So yeah. So like you said, it's it's a one stop. I love that. So, so what would it be kind of, you know, you've said that up top, one of the biggest challenges is obviously the legality of things, right? Being yeah. sure so that you have the right I'm assuming like testing. And I I know like for beauty products specifically, the requirements and laws and regulations are much more strict in the EU than they are in the States. So what would be your advice for businesses that are wanting to expand internationally? Like where can they do this research and where should they start? Like, should they start with VAT? Should they start with product regulations? Like where?
2: I would even go one step before that and see if there's actually demand. We also had clients launch product lines um, in, let's say, Spain that didn't really work well, um, as well as in Germany. Let's say umbrellas. So here it rains a lot. Weather has been horrible for like four months, so I need an umbrella every day. If you go to the south of Spain, obviously this will not be the case. If you're just blinded and driven by numbers and you think you can take the Information that you have in one market and just apply it one to one to another market, um, then it's just prone to go wrong, like nine out of 10 cases. So I would say demand research is the first step to see if even if you want to go international, if all of your product lines are even suitable to go international. And then, yeah, the next step for me would be just talk to people who have been through the process. So don't just uh, look at the service providers you may use in your target market because everyone including me will want to sell you something obviously um so it's really good to get an like objective opinion so just engage in e-commerce groups like my favorite place to be at is linkedin because you're connected with so many people um, also from the brand side not only from the service provider side get their stories, uh, get their hiccups, see how they have overcome it, get some tips, especially when you're bootstrapped or you have tight resources and ask them, what can I do myself to save costs and what makes sense to really have a professional do? Um, So yeah, that would be my second step. I think it's a really hard challenge if you're alone out there. So if you have a network or have some people to talk to who, as I said, don't only want to sell their service to you, um, then you will get a pretty good feeling of what you'll be faced with um, over the next months. And gotcha. um, yeah, if it then comes to looking for service providers, not only fulfillment, but maybe you will also need um, a local agency or translation agency, um, I think it's good to go via word of mouth. I mean, I work in marketing, I also try to get people in who are not referred by someone else, but so far, our company lived primarily from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So talk to people, ask them who are who are you using? Why are you using them? Are you happy with them? What products can they do? And then you will get a pretty clear picture of who's worth working with and who is not. And that minimizes your chance of getting scammed in another country, like by 90%, I would say.
1: Yeah. And and asking good questions too, not just like,
2: yeah who do you
1: use? And because I'm thinking like localizations and translations. So it's not just, hey, Christina, who do you use? Well, if you're using a service that only does baby products localizing for Germany, that doesn't help me if I'm trying to sell water bottles in Sweden. Like they might not have the the capability. So being really specific with your questions, I I think is a good a good recommendation too
2: and I, th- I think it's good that you say that because that's uh an important step anyway like write down your requirements no matter who you're talking to or what services you require the more you're confident and what you need the easier you can say no because everyone will promise you the world i mean i would say i, I wouldn't but a lot of people would they will just tell you what you want to hear Um, And I would rather send a client away away who has like a very specific requirement list, and I know we cannot match that, or I know we're not experts in that, then I say, hey, three of our competitors are way better at doing this, Uh, I can connect you, Um, and then it will be a great fit because it's not really a nice ending for neither us nor the prospective client if we cannot match what they require but obviously if the client is not clear on what they require that leads to a lot of miscommunication down the line and a lot of disappointment so yeah be very clear about your requirements how you want your returns process to be your inbound processes do you need quality checks um be as detailed as possible envision the whole process and then just start talking to service providers you may use
1: yeah Uh, and that's one of my favorite things about this industry too is just like you said if if the customer is looking for something that we don't do or we're not going to do to the level of thoroughness that they're looking for We'll pass it along. I love that you exactly. said that because that's that's one thing that I love about this industry is everybody's like I this has to work for both of us, it has to be mutually beneficial. I want you to succeed, we need to succeed. And if you're not a fit for us, you know, we'll find we'll find somebody for you who is. I absolutely love that. So exactly. so what about in what about like other resources that exist to help these sellers navigate some of these challenges, whether that be trade organizations or consulting firms? Now you kind of talked about building a community, but where else can they find these resources to help navigate some of these challenges?
2: So I think especially in the Western world, we have a lot of um, official trade organizations where programs information is also available in English. And I would 10 out of 10 times recommend reading through this stuff, even if it's boring VAT registration and legal requirements stuff but this is the stuff that you really need to know when you want to engage in trade in that country Um, and then yeah I think being connected with other sellers is the way to go because you can really learn from the mistakes that others made read a lot not only the top three results in the search (laughs) search engine results that are like best SEO optimized, but really dig deeper, Um, read a lot. There are great YouTube channels out there. Um, See what others have been through, what their advice is, and just soak in as much knowledge as possible before entering a new market.
1: Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of resources out there by way of like YouTube channels, podcasts I actually hopped back on clubhouse this morning and there's oh, really? still a lot of,
0: it's yeah, like
1: it still exists. <laughs> I know I was shocked too. I was, cause I wrote, I decided to order the book, the, the miracle morning. I don't know if, if you've heard of that, but, um, it, I remember there was a clubhouse group for it forever ago. And I wanted to see if that was still active. And I was reminded of all of these e-com and Amazon groups that yeah. I belonged to when I was on the app and they're still there, man. They're still kicking. Really? So like, yeah. So check out, like, I, I, there's probably like discord channels for it and clubhouse and podcasts and YouTube. So all sorts of places and definitely events as well. You guys like that's, that's a big thing that yeah. patita is a proponent on in a way to support the community is by hosting, sponsoring and speaking at these events. Cause the, the amount of pivotal business decisions and the impact that they've had on these sellers lives from just sitting next to each other at lunch at a conference. Hey, is this open? is absolutely incredible. Christina, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, but when we come back, we're going to keep digging into this and talk about some of the most common mistakes that sellers make when they are expanding internationally and fulfilling internationally. So we'll be back in just a second.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Gatita, the global leader in FBA auditing and reimbursements. Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at gatita.com slash sellernomics.
1: All right, you guys, be sure to head over to getita.com forward slash sellernomics for the first 400 FBA reimbursements free. We are back with the lovely Christina Mertens with Shack, talking about international expansion and the challenges and opportunities that exist for Amazon sellers. So Christina, what are some of the most common mistakes? I know we talked about, you know, not doing the research on regulations and VAT, but what are some of the other most common mistakes that these sellers are making with their fulfillment operations?
2: Um, I think not thinking long term. So people, especially in the beginning, may it be Amazon sellers, e-commerce sellers in general, they just try to keep the cost down as much as possible. So sometimes they opt, for example, for a small local fulfillment company, but they're not really prone to scale with them. So they have really, really restricted capacities. They may have only one side only Um, they do not have more locations maybe internationally and then when you when that's your strategy and you do this in every country you end up trying to manage seven eight warehouses or more Mm -hmm. with seven to eight different warehouse managers each of them using their own system so it's all going to be very time and resource consuming in the long run so before you so if you decide to go international, let's take Europe as an example again, then you may think, okay, do I want to do the UK too, maybe in a year or two, because then it makes sense to go for someone who has facilities in both countries. So then you have one key account manager, you're used to the system, you have one place to go to for managing both countries. And ideally, obviously it depends on your plan to scale, um, but you have someone who covers all the important markets or is at least on a roadmap to, um, doing so. Yeah. And And, um, Can we
1: hone in a little bit on, on EU versus UK fulfillment? Cause Brexit is what three, it's like three years (laughs) old now. Right. And and it's, it's a hurdle that sellers had to navigate in real time. And I assume that it's like still difficult to find somebody who does fulfillment in both. It, or, or is it more common than I realize? I would think I'd have to find company A for EU fulfillment and then company B for UK. Like, what's that look like for sellers?
2: Um, I don't know that many companies who have warehousing facilities in both countries. For us, it was uh, quite lucky because we originated in so our headquarters in the UK um, and we had growing demand for the EU market, especially after Brexit. So we just decided to partner up with warehouses in the UA as well and Um, integrate them with our system and for us it's been a major usp because when you have for example you only have your warehouse in germany but you also have a big uk client base then you have all the struggles with customs going back and forth sending stock over i mean if you're working with a great freight forwarder they will take care of customs for you but it's all it all got really really expensive um so it's not really that common but yeah I would say it's a major major USP.
1: Yeah, major USP for y'all but a pain point for sellers, right? Yeah. I have to try yeah. to find that. Cuz I you would think that it would be a natural progression. I I would even think to just hit both at the same time, right? If I'm going to be selling yeah. in the EU, let's grab the UK too, you know, why exactly. not? But with with the fulfillment being a little more difficult since Brexit, I understand maybe doing a, a step one, step two approach. So so how important is it for sellers to stay on top of the technologies that exist for e-com fulfillment and and the solutions that exist?
2: So usually when you work with, a, I would say, modern uh, fulfillment service, I will also mention some competitors like Hive or Warehousing One or Lyco, or Bird or Packshack, um, all of their reputation reputable ones i think that's the right yeah. word yeah that is <laughs> <laughs> all with a good reputation um they all work with like uh state-of-the-art software so you don't really have to care yourself like privately investigating um inventory software because that's usually being provided by the 3pl that you're using if you're using a good one um and i think the best ones are the ones that are just uh I always say made for the dumbest customer. I know this sounds very harsh, but it's, um, But what I mean is that design is so easy and uh, management of, I don't know, pulling in new SKUs that you want to sell or um, getting reports that a five-year-old could actually operate it. Um, it's important to use state-of-the-art software, but you don't have to necessarily stay on top of it and um, yeah, investigate yourself.
1: What, what about FBA versus FBM fulfillment? So uh, it, it's obviously important to have some strong FBA prep, right? But but can you have one international fulfillment center doing your FBM fulfillment through there and also your prep? And how hard is that to find? What do you recommend for requirements?
2: I mean, what would that relationship and communication look like? Um. So I think if you want to do... FBM, you just have to have a fulfillment center who has really good also international shipping rates because obviously you not only want to reach, let's say, German customers, but you also want to have the surrounding companies. So you have to have someone who has competitive shipping rates. Then if you, for example, want to do seller fulfilled prime, you have to make sure that they have career contracts who are actually excellent in what they're doing and actually shipping products Um product artists out on time. Um, and yeah, when it comes to FBA, you just have to make sure that your fulfillment center meets all the requirements, that they understand what Amazon requirements are. Because as you know, it's really, really expensive having your shipments rejected. Um, if you're doing vendor, that can even like hurt your overall account. Um, so yeah, that would be my, my tip.
1: Yeah. Because I was just thinking there's a lot of very popular marketplaces, all of which escape me by right now, but that aren't FBA and you could be selling, or I'm sorry, that aren't Amazon. So you could be selling the same product on two different marketplaces and, you know, trying to figure out if we would need two separate fulfillment centers to kind of fit those needs for the prep, obviously gets fulfilled through FBA goes to FBA, right. But for the prep, if they could do that and also fulfill for the only one coming to mind is Mercado Libre. I know there's a French one too. What's the name of the French one? Um,
2: I only uh, know the the Dutch one, bull.com Okay. I don't know which French one you're. Referring okay, to. I'll, I'll <laughs>
1: think of it later. But but you know it, it would be good for a seller to find find a uh, fulfillment specialist. Someone can.
2: who can do both exactly. So expert. I I can speak uh, for other fulfillment centers. I know that a lot of uh, some of our competitors do the same. Uh, we, for example, we can do also from one stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do FBA, FBM, normal D2C through your online shop, Shopify, Magento, WooCommerce, whatsoever. And then also B2B. Um, I think uh, that's quite interesting in Germany as well. If you want to go beyond Amazon, like brick and mortar is still pretty strong here mm-hmm. in Germany. So it's also nice to have someone who can also do B2B shipments. Um, yeah, with us, it's you can integrate all of your online channels, and then you can just uh, grab the orders from one stock and shipping it, shipping it out. Doesn't matter if the order comes through FBM or if it's a big B two B FBA order, or if it's uh, through an online shop or another marketplace like Ball or Auto eBay. However, they all make yeah.
1: Perfect. And so what are some strategies that these sellers can use to manage the cost of their international fulfillment and keep the rates affordable?
2: Um, So one key aspect for me would be that you work with someone who has really good existing career contracts. So Mm -hmm. big fulfillment centers can obviously leverage that they have multiple clients, making obviously a big order volume, if you do only, uh, in quotation marks for those who are only listening, um, if you're doing, let's say, only 500 orders FBM every month, you will not get really great rates with DPD or DHL in Germany or USPS in Um, in the US but if you work with a bigger fulfillment company they can leverage that they have multiple clients all doing 500 orders a month and then you can get cheaper rates through them so I would this would also be in the first conversation that I would have with a 3PL one of the first questions I would ask like which careers are you working with um, and what are the rates so you can really utilize that Um, and then also trying to keep your stock and as uh as few locations as possible so as i said earlier it's really good if you don't have to have two different 3pls like one for our fba prep and one for your online ch- uh, online shop but have everything in one place so you only pay one storage fee you have one pricing to deal with one uh warehouse manager and that's two of them or three of them um and this can really bring your cost down
1: gotcha gotcha what is changing, if anything, in terms of international fulfillment? or are, are there any new laws coming down the pipe or tariffs or anything like that that sellers should be aware of? Or, you know, I know things have kind of changed in, in the last few years, especially with Brexit, but anything else that they should be
2: aware of? Um, one thing that instantly came to my mind is um, that Amazon started, especially during COVID, started to restrict the inventory that they keep at their FBA uh, warehouses Mm -hmm. a lot. And a lot of sellers were surprised that they had actually to do FBA removals because they had basically overstocked from one day to the other because Mm -hmm. Amazon was like, oh, we need to push that stock out. Um, And I saw a lot of sellers fail to do those FBA removals and they had to have their stock destroyed or was destroyed by amazon or they had to pay a lot of uh, extra fees because they didn't manage to get it That's out cool. um and we've seen this also like after covid um like last year during peak season like q4 that uh amazon did basically the same without The reason with corona that they said okay they need the the storage space for other products but they were just like okay this is peak season we have to get multiple products in we have to be more diversified so please um, pull your stock out and then you have to have someone to rely on um, to make sure it all gets back safely into the warehouse
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I remember that being a big thing with, you know, IPIs changing and the warehouse limits exactly. and they were changing the verbiage and how they did the calculation. Yeah, I remember that yeah. being a, a whole big thing for a while there. Christina, we are going to hear one more message from our sponsor. And then when we come back, I want to hear all about Pack Shack and more about what you do there and how folks can get a hold of you if they have any questions. So we'll be back in just a second.
0: Cool. Well, today's episode is brought to you by Gatita, the global leader in FBA auditing and reimbursements. Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at gatita.com slash sellernomics.
1: All right, you guys, you know where to go to get that free 400 in reimbursements, gatita.com forward slash sellernomics. Coming back with Christina, we're going to wrap up the episode now with more information about Pack Shack, what exactly you guys do, what you're doing there, and then where folks can get a hold of you if they have any questions.
2: Cool. Um, so yeah, Packshake is an international fulfillment company. We do have our own warehouse in the UK and a lot of partner warehouses in Germany, the Netherlands, US, Canada, Australia, and France. Um, and we help international e-commerce sellers to uh, successfully fulfill their products um, in each and every country I just mentioned, or also across borders. So you can also use a German warehouse and then fulfill to the EU with very competitive shipping rates, as I mentioned earlier, Uh, you state of the art software where you can manage all of your channels, all of your countries from one single source of truth. You have one key account manager instead of eight different warehouse managers (laughs) where you have a lot of language barriers and a lot of communication issues. Um, Yeah. So we basically try to tie all the different channels in one point and make fulfillment just as easy as possible. Wonderful.
1: And you're working, you said, with e-com sellers. So it's not exclusive to Amazon. You're able to help sellers on all different marketplaces.
2: Exactly. So we do work with a lot of Amazon sellers, also bigger aggregators like uh, SatterX or Heroes. So we're really top notch in FBA prep as well. Um, We're... Experts on that have been doing this for years, know exactly what the requirements are and we'll make sure that uh, Amazon will not punish you <laughs> for uh, for something that your warehouse did wrong. Um, but also if you at one point decide to get more independent of Amazon or you want to have various channels, various income streams, then we can also connect to all major shop systems, other marketplaces such as ball.com, eBay is uh, Etsy, I don't know, like the biggest ones, the biggest ones that are here in the EU and also in the US. It's Walmart, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you can basically manage everything from one point.
1: Okay, perfect. And then where can folks go to learn more information?
2: Um, Ideally on our website, packshack.com. So you can basically find all of the information there. You can always add me on LinkedIn, uh, Christina Mertens, Christina with a K and or you just send me an email and i'll send your company intro and answer any questions you may have
1: perfect and you guys listening that is pack shack dot com. and christina's email is christina.mertens m-e-r-t-e-n-s at pack christina with a k amazing christina thank you so much for this dear i super appreciate your time today and all this knowledge that you shared with us it's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, and and I just
2: appreciate your time. Thank you, Lisa. It was really fun being on here.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for everybody who tuned in today. Be sure to leave us your thoughts on the episode in the comments. Subscribe to the show and we will see you on the next one.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on the Sellernomics podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, Gatita. Did you know that Amazon probably owes you money for FBA reimbursements? Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at Gatita.com slash sellernomics. Be sure to join us again next week for more great tips on how to grow your business. And thanks again for listening.